All right, well, we're going to start out in, uh, in the Lord's Word today. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Those of you who have a Bible with you, be Matthew 28, 16 through 20. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. So that's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them, I have received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you. Every day until the end of this present age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There was a time in my life when I wasn't sure exactly what God meant to me. Was this all just some big superstitious story that uh, was passed down through the ages? Uh, I, I thought maybe it was similar to the Greek stories of Hercules and Perseus and Uh, Homer's Iliad and these wonderful fanciful tales. I thought maybe it was like the stories of the Egyptian gods and and, and the the tales that they made up about the sun and the, the afterlife. I thought maybe that they were like the stories of our own Native Americans who had thought up ways that everything that happened in nature had to be related to some supernatural force. After all, countless individuals had believed all these stories and had passed them down throughout the years and some of them believed them fervently dare I say, religiously. Was uh, Christianity just a mix of truth and fiction? And was there any way for us to determine what was true and what was false? Maybe the answer was in other religions. Um, I took a world religion class in college, and I wanted to find out exactly what was going on in the other major religions. We talked about Islam, and we talked about Buddhism, and we talked about Hinduism, and their beliefs, and their gods. And their deities. But I also took classes on the Bible. I saw it as a historically historically interesting document. My interest continued to grow in the historic uh, facts in the Bible. But I was still personally very unclear on what that meant. These were all things that I was struggling with as I was beginning college. But luckily for me, God had a plan for my life. Things began to change when someone began to pour into my life. A Christ follower began to show me how to model my life after Jesus. Someone themselves who had already been found had had begun to find me. I'll touch on my story again throughout the morning. Now we want to turn to a time in Jesus' ministry. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he did a multitude of teaching. He gave us both direct teaching... And and this times he would say exactly what he meant, and he would say it very plainly and very clearly. On other occasions, he spoke to us in parables. We know many of them, uh, the Good Samaritan, for instance. Stories that gave us some moral lesson at the end, and these were not always very clear. Sometimes, as a matter of fact, these parables were very difficult to understand, and the Lord did that on purpose. There were several uh, times, however, that Jesus gave us commands. Not just direct statements, not teaching parables, but commands. 
There were several commands that Jesus gave, but today we will focus primarily on three of these. These three, to me, sum up exactly what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The first commandment is found in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Those of you with your Bibles, if you would like to turn there, that's fine. If not, I'll be reading it to you. That's Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Uh, this, this command is given after an expert of the Old Testament law who, for some reason, they always like to try to trip Jesus up. And so one of these lawyers is going to ask Jesus a question. And the question he asked Jesus is, of all the commandments that God has given us in the Scriptures up to that time, this is Old Testament only at this time, which of these is the greatest? And the Bible records his response as this. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your being, and with all of your mind. Many of us have heard that with all your uh, mind, body, and spirit. There's several translations, but the, the key point is this. You must love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind. This is quite a charge. It's, uh, it's not just a statement. It's a call to action. It's something that you must actually consciously do. This passage tells us that the most important thing for us to do is to love God with everything that we have. With everything that God has given us from the creation of ourselves, from the gift of nature. Just look out these windows. And can you not see that God has given us a gift? How about the gift of salvation that He's given us through the death and resurrection of His Son, Christ Jesus? Are these not wonderful gifts? Amen? Amen. With all these amazing gifts... Shouldn't it be easy to love God? But we find that it is not. It is not easy to chase after God. Therefore, this commandment is not just a lackadaisical, passive phrase. It is to a call to action. The second commandment that we'll discuss today is, uh, is spoken of immediately following that previous command. And this one states, it's in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. for those of you with your Bibles. But I'll be reading it aloud again. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm going to read this again. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the first question I always get asked is, who is my neighbor? Because that's the question that's asked immediately after this. All the people who are seeking after Christ, who read this text, automatically, automatically in their mind, begin to think of all the people who must not be their neighbor. The guy across the street who lets his dog use the bathroom in my yard, that can't be, we can't be talking about him. The teacher at school that's always getting on to my kid, we don't have to love her. You know, we're not talking about that teacher. We're not talking about the guy down the street who roots for the other sports team. We can't be talking about him. That can't be my neighbor. But that's not what Christ is saying here. Christ came and he died for the whole world so that we are all our neighbor. We are called to put others before ourselves, regardless of how we perceive their worth. We don't get that distinction. Worth is not something that we are able to determine. Jesus Christ died for all of us, and it is God's gift in that matter that determines our worth. Remembering all of those gifts that we spoke about earlier that God has bestowed upon us, 
we can begin to see that with these two commandments that Christ is pointing towards a third commandment, a decisive action commandment. And that brings us to our final command that we'll speak about today. Some call this command the Great Commission. It is found in our scripture that we opened with today, Matthew 28, 19 specifically. If you have your Bible, it's Matthew 28, 19. Again, we've had a lot of scripture today, so I will read this out loud as well. And it says the following, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Again, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We've discussed that our neighbor is all of us. And here, Christ says, go and make disciples of all nations. He did not say to leave out the Sumerians who the Jews detested. Eventually in Scripture, we see that even though the relationship between the Jews and, and, and the Samaritans was poor at best, Christ sent those to honor them as well. If you remember back into the Old Testament where Jonah, who was swallowed by the great fish, do you guys remember that story? He was supposed to be going to Nineveh to preach the gospel. The thing was, Jonah did not like the Ninevites. As a matter of fact, Jonah disliked them so much that he was afraid that if he went to Nineveh and preached the gospel faithfully, that they would be saved. And that's why he tried to turn away. He was afraid that they would go to heaven with him. We are called to do something drastically different. And eventually Jonah would get the picture and he would go and be rewarded gratefully and do fruitful jobs. But this is our job. This is our duty. This is our calling by God. Each and every one of us. We are called to remember those gifts that God has given us. And we are called to remember that our love for fellow man should be so great and we are supposed to allow all of these things to do a work in our hearts. This work should then spur us onto mission. It should give us a burning desire to share the good news and the gospel with the world. After all, what kind of love are we showing for this great and merciful God if we are keeping his love for the world a secret? Hide it under a bushel, no? Isn't that what the song says? Let our light shine. What kind of love for our neighbor would we be showing if we did not share the opportunity with them of knowing Christ? I say that's no love at all. Found people, find people. Let me explain. Those of us who know Christ have the obligation to make sure as many people as we can know Christ too. Bob was a pastor in the General Baptist Church. Back to my story for a little bit. He was already in his 70s when, uh, when I, I began a relationship with Bob or, or close to it. And he had spent most of his life growing both in uh, Christ and his appreciation of God's work in his life as he pastored uh, a few churches in the area. But Bob was not consent, uh, content just sitting back and hoping that the world would uh, keep spinning and around his little circle and keep him happy and keep him content. Uh, Bob wanted to find Jesus, and he wanted to help everyone else chase after him as well. 
He talked about Jesus wherever he went, whether it was with me uh, on the way to look at, uh, at farmland or the way to go look at mobile homes. Uh, just to, uh, he would go to the coffee shop and sit and, and in the morning. And you know what happens at the coffee shop when you get uh, a bunch of guys together. Well, when Bob's around, that still happens. But they talk about Jesus, too. And so uh, Bob was just a, a great guy. When I began dating my wife, um, Bob was her pastor. Soon he was going to be mine as well. But more than that, he was my friend. He was unafraid to speak about God to me, and he, he was unafraid to guide me in the faith. As a matter of fact, he relished in being able to pour into my wife and I. He was unafraid to answer my questions, and I had a lot of them. Bob set me on a path that led to my salvation. He let me on a path that led to my call to ministry. And he set me on a path that led to me being here today. All of this through Bob's faithful fulfillment of Jesus' commands. Found people, find people. I challenge you today to look at your life. Just sit for a second and reflect at the last few weeks of your life and all of the interactions that you've had with people. Think about all of the people that you've spoken to on Facebook. Think about the people that you've seen at the grocery store. Think about the people that you have talked to on the telephone, those who you saw uh, that may have come to your homes with, uh, with health care opportunities, those who you may have seen at doctor's visits. Think about all the people that you've come to contact in your life in the last few weeks. Now see where you are fulfilling God's call to make disciples in those opportunities. Think about the times where you shared Christ. Now, I also challenge you to look back at those times and see when you didn't. Sometimes the best way to spur our hearts is to see where we failed. And Christ does not condemn us in these failures, but he spurs us to change our actions. If you are in Christ, you will share him with the world. Found people, find people. Let's pray.